It's Thursday. No one knew it. It's Thursday. It's I literally Thursday. nobody nobody could know that because to wake up on a day like this, you just have to assume that it's a Sunday. Yeah, it's a gorgeous, overcast, rainy, mild, mild temperature day. Is it? I I mean, I felt very cold when I was in bed this morning because my windows are now wide open for summer. Sure, sure. But like, you know, it's probably 55 degrees or something. Oh, yeah. Now we're Seattle Seattle vibes. Why are we spoiled from the last two days of perfect weather? Yeah, and that heat wave. So now we're like, oh, cold is 55 degrees. Well, you know, that's... That's the trick of nature that caused me to murder all my plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Murder, murder. You know, I tri- I um this week I finally got. I've been looking at them out there, just like skeletons of their former <laughs> selves. I hear and you. And I, I decided to tr- cut them away, and so I, I cut off, basically the entirety of the plants in hopes that a green. Mm sprout will just kind of like emerge from the woody stems so we'll see i know there's some like weeds that seem to be growing in the soil which i feel like well maybe they're my new house plant (laughs) i literally just took my plants and put them outside and was like good luck and it did not turn out great uh no no you were here some of them are still in my apartment oh okay Um, but the the Monstera that I took from Hawaii immediately lost all of oh. its leaves. They just It was like this is not where I live. Either either it was attacked by an animal, I think it was just really windy and they blew off even. Though there was Oh wow. There was another monstera out there that's totally fine. So mysterious. But I too am hoping that the sticks will find a way. Well, maybe you destroyed its immune system from Making it into an inside child. Yeah, I think it's, I think, in my theory is that they, you know, they, they toughen up, they strengthen up by being in the winds. Well, so, look, not having that. I honestly thought I was some kind of, like, plant. I don't even know what these people are called. What are plant scientists called? <sighs> Plantologist. I want to call them like er, herb, 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 herbologists. <laughs> and um, I, when, when I made that incredible decision to put my plants out on the fire escape, when I went to yeah. Australia, I was like, I'm a genius. My plants were incredible. And I did it again and I murdered them. I murdered them. I think it was like tremendously windy. So I don't know. And if it that snowed. Has, it and, also, yeah. it snowed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that would that roller, really did it. Roller it coaster, full freeze. Um, yeah. But I'm still hopeful. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for life to emerge from my babies, and you know, my friend David Davin gave me these air plants, right. and I have them all now, like d- sort of tangled around this ceramic head from my friend Jesse, and they look cool. Great, they look cool, and yeah. they take care of themselves. Uh, more or less, I think you have to like spritz them and then soak them every once in a while. Okay. But they're just out there in the world, like things, you're just objects. <laughs> Plants. They're just objects. They're just things, objects. Uh, my neighbor from across the hall the other day knocked on the door and they were like, here's um, a set of keys. Uh, because uh, several months ago, 
they had locked themselves out in a really monumental way in the middle of the night and knocked on my door, which is humiliating, you know? And Wait, why is this humiliating? Oh, for them. Humiliating for them. Right, because their phone was out of batteries. They needed to call a locksmith. It was like post one in the morning. Yeah, they had, they had failed <clears throat> at life. Yeah. yeah, so I did answer the door and we got it all taken care of. And um, now we've exchanged keys in the event of an emergency. I love that. Um, but they came in and they were looking at all my things. And they're like, wow, I have a lot of things. I was like, I really do. And... You know, I have a box of little trinkets and they were like, where does all this stuff come from? So I was explaining where some of my trinkets come from. And in, in the, in the course of this meeting we were having, that this person is 20. I know, I was going to say, it comes from being old. Oh yeah. Things accumulate. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This person's 26 or seven or some, thereabouts. And... Just listening to them speak, I was like, there's just a whole new language out there, you know? (laughs) It's a whole new language. I'm collecting things from the past, and young people are speaking a whole new English. New English. I think that's... That's That's incredible. That's a thrilling prospect. Yeah. Well, fire is now an adjective. I know that a lot of people know that. Yeah, that's fire. And then... That's, That's fire. I don't think I'll ever be using that, but... No, no. And then, this was my new... This was new to me, and this was sort of my favorite thing from the other day. Whenever um, they wanted to kind of give me positive affirmation about what I would, had just said, they would go... as it, Like, if it was funny or, like, exciting, they would go, I'm screaming. Mm. And I was like, well, you, you're not. Right. I think it is. it is... The emoji if emojification maybe it would be the word emojification right. of language like they're just they're just verbalizing ah, smiley emoji. face fire s- sparkly star scream emoji scream emoji Scre- just screaming I'm, I'm screaming like, yeah I'm screaming I'm, I'm screaming I'm okay I mean it does feel like going back into the cave. Which I do feel maybe that like Jen Harris could have been the OG like I'm screaming, but she actually was screaming, you know. Right, right. Yeah, I'm screaming. Yeah, you <sighs> you, you scream, you scream it. You scream. Anyways, so, I, I learned about scream. young stuff. I I haven't. I had some ice cream the other day because you know my family's in town. Yeah, we saw them. And I have. They, I have been um, directing them towards restaurants and meeting them at places. And we had ramen the other night. And afterwards, we went and had an ice cream up on, like, this is a neighborhood I'm not often in. But they were staying in a hotel on 56th between Park Avenue and 3rd. And, mm. or, like, I don't know. I actually don't even know what's east of Park Avenue. But I do think it might be 3rd Ave. But we... Went to a restaurant that was on 52nd, right around the corner from 2nd Avenue. And then we walked slightly uptown and found an ice cream shop. Everyone in this neighborhood is 20 years old. Yes. What? Why? Those are the the 20-year-olds that live in New York that I think, why do you live here? But what are they, who are they and what are they doing up there? These are people with, like, regular jobs you could have anywhere now they probably work from home in like a 
two by two apartment. They live in like, Midtown East. Yeah. What? It's so weird. It's bizarre. I guess it's like Kips Bay, like the Lower East Side, kind of like bled up into Kips Bay, and now, or rather Murray Hill. Yeah. And now it's going up even further. Yeah. It's so, so weird. So Those weird. neighborhoods really give me the chills. Because it's, it's very bar vibes. It's pubs. It's like even. you're basically still in college, but you have a job now. It is fully a university town yeah. when you're up there. You're like, am I in Columbus, Ohio? I hate it. It's not for, it's fully characterless. It's not for me. Yeah. It's why I'm, I'm like, why do you live here? But, you know. Someone's got to do finance, etc. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think my fantasy is that, like, at post-pandemic, those people move away and can keep their jobs remotely. Oh, I know. That would be great, right? Because they don't actually have a reason to live here and well, rent is, is so high. It's like, why? Yeah, it's not like they need to go to, like, the sculpture supply store or, like, the Notions shop. You know, they don't need... Right, or, nothing. like, see things. No, they don't need to go to a museum and, like, you know... But here's the thing. They want to, like, go to the pub and find their spouse. Spouse. Exactly. And then spouse. move to the suburbs. And I'm like, just move to the suburbs all together and then go to the pub. There. The pub... So crazy. Yeah, it's different, different stuff. How are you? Have you been doing anything social? Oh. Um, well, I went to New York Live Arts to um, film a, a dress rehearsal of Abby Zibikowski's, which the show is happening this week. This will come out tomorrow, which is Friday. Mm-hmm. They're Friday shows and Saturday shows. You can go see it. You gotta. Um, <clears throat> so great. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm. We're working together on a, a thing. So. Do you want to describe a little bit what is like Abby's genre of dance, or where does it come from? I know Abby has been on the podcast, so you can refer to that yeah. episode, which would have been about a hundred episodes ago. Actually, you, you know, know what? what? That was ex- that was it just was two years ago. Right. So this this piece was supposed to... This is, like, one of the... It was, like, set to happen, like, the week of the pandemic. <laughs> At, that is right. Yeah. That is right. So... Wow. Yeah. So it's happening. Well, here we are. It's happening Two now. years later, talking about it again. Wow, wow. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I... I've seen Abby's work. I reach out to her, her about working on something together and so we are um yeah abby's work is i think quite unique i do too um i agree you know it's it's using traditions that i'm not familiar with and i don't know really its relationship to those things i mean i think of Mm -hmm. streb Right. Well, it seems like but Abby. It's not Abby's background was in like black dance vernaculars in New Jersey, like kind of American black dance vernacular, like street dance stuff. Yeah. And she has, um, 
she has sort of transformed the style into a very conceptual container of like durational based mm-hmm. um, movement practice. Anyways. Yeah. And I think for me, I've, I felt connected to it. I think the first I Jack had met Abby at ADF, which is actually where we're going to shoot this thing this summer. But, um, and was like, you have to see this work sent me video of it. And for me, it, it really resonated through athletics. Yes. Like, I was athletics. like, yes, this is very gym experience. So. Oh my God, I really hope that you get the full ADF treatment and you go to the contact gym and the arc. Mm-mm, I'm not doing you... any of that stuff. Thank Jeremy. you so much. No, no, no. Jeremy. You should. You have to go to no. have a burrito at the Cosmic Cantina. You need to get a popsicle. You need to have lunch at Whole Foods and sit across from, you know, I don't even know who goes there anymore. Jimena Paz. I mean, she's, I'm sure, not there anymore. She teaches at UART. She was my teacher, in fact. Work. Speaking of which, congratulations on graduations. Thank you. It's weird in this, you know, COVID time to well actually it probably would have been this way either way but you know i really got my diploma last august or september yeah and then i went to the hooding ceremony yesterday in philadelphia and is that literally what it's called because that is sounds yeah so I know. it seems bad i know it's really scary i know they need to call it like a like a shawling or a scarfing or like a accessorizing well, because really there there's no hood. There are no I guess I understand like why they call the thing a hood because like it does look in the back as if you could put it up flip it up over your head. But it's also just super, is the like costume the point? Like is the costume the point? Couldn't it be called like graduation ceremony or something? Well they well it's it's separate from the graduation is today. I will not be attending. Uh-huh. So, and that's when, like, the entire university, like, lines up in a big space and it takes four to five hours and they probably play, like, you know, that song. Uh-huh. And I I won't be there, but I did go to my graduate ceremony. It's, like, for PhD and graduate people. And it was um, interesting. Because, you know, I had been to Stewart's last week. Mm-hmm. And then... And I, so it was interesting to see the difference between like how Rutgers manages this ceremony and then how University of the Arts manages the ceremony. Because Rutgers, I went to the ceremony that was specifically for um, masters and PhD students in clinical psychology. Mm-hmm. And so that's just like for them, there was, I don't know, 75 people or so. In that, in just that kind of like one category, and at UArts, it was the totality of PhD and master's students, and it it was probably the same number of people. Right. So UArts is just a smaller institution, and what was interesting, I didn't realize that UArts had PhD candidates, but this was the first year of giving out that degree, and it was a PhD. Are you ready? A PhD in creativity. Oh, work. So, you better work. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> well, I also... It sounded like a lot of your cohort wouldn't be there 
And it also, your program felt very international. Quite. And I don't know if that's a general UARTS thing as well, where like Mm -hmm. pandemic, what have you, maybe also going to be a smaller turnout. Well, uh, another thing I learned about UARTS yesterday is that the dance program sort of stands alone in its structure and the rest the rest of the programs are much more conventional master's programs in in the arts and arts education Mm. and so um I thought it was going to be a much more kind of motley crew sort of esoteric bunch of like you know professional artists and it wasn't like literally one of the last degrees they gave out was an MA in arts education and it was people who had gotten their undergraduate degree in 2021 moved straight into their master's, which I guess was a one-year degree program, and are now teaching at elementary schools. And uh-huh. what what was interesting was that at Stewart's graduation, which was a one-hour-long ceremony, they just called out names, and then they showed on the projector, like, the a little blurb about their thesis. Or, no, just the title of their thesis work. And for us each of our deans like talked about each of us individually. So every person graduating, the dean talked about them. Wow, so tedious. And that, so tedious. And by the time they got to these, like, I mean, Donna Faye, when she did us, she basically like did it in the style of what our program is like and, and, you know, used very colorful language and abstract thought in describing who we are as people and the work that we had done. And it was sort of very emotional. And she kind of like cried as she did each one of us, which was very sweet. And then a lot of the other deans were kind of like funny. And then also these masters in child, like music education, they literally just read out essentially performance reports. They were like, Charles has spent spent time this year working in Schenectady teaching children piano fundamentals. Their advisor says that Charles has grown in music theory and X, Y, and Z. And I was like, what is, is happening? It's literally great. Satisfactory. It was great. It was literally report card. And I was like, this is absolutely crazy. And then Donna Faye was like, Reed has, Reed is good. Good to his bones. He taught us that a skirt is not just a skirt. It's a turning. You know, it was just like so... <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. It was like so different. I don't think I want any of these. <laughs> N- <laughs> it was very strange. I mean, I... In, in The structure of our ceremony was that the candidates were all sitting in the front like facing the audience and then the audience the family and friends were looking at us whereas at the Rutgers ceremony the faculty oh and also the faculty were facing us in the front row of the audience but at Rutgers the faculty sat on the stage and the audience and the candidates sat in the audience it was sort of like a very different way of like centering the student at UArts and um I immediately, like, I, even though I was, like, in a space of being looked at, I just immediately went to sleep. Absolutely. Like, as soon as, right, as I soon mean, as they put the thing on me, I sat back down and I said, good night. Your question of, like, should I go to this or not, it's like, it's going to be so boring, but, like. Well, ours was fully two hours. Do it. 
Oh dear. My, what happened? Um, my earphone just announced to me that my battery's low, but it's not a problem because I have um, analog ones, you know? Isn't it fun how everything is a notification? My phone has been telling me, like, when I leave the apartment, that I'm leaving the apartment. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, okay, that's cool. Okay, Jeremy, just for... We may be dis- disconnected for a second because I'm putting my earphones in their case and then I'm plugging in. Okay, bye. What? You can keep talking. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, well, uh, can you hear me? Okay. I don't... I, can you hear me? I can hear you. I just ask. Now I have you just in regular old earphones. Regular old earphones. I think regular old earphones are great. They're the way to go. Yeah. Um, although <sighs> I do, I do like my discount, uh, wireless for work when I'm working because otherwise the cord gets covered in paint. So, oh, well, you know, I've had, I won't even, I'm not, I know you're a debacle. I'm not doing it. Anyway. I know. I, cause I do have a, I have skull candy. I have a skull candy wireless, which, um, I think they're pretty good. Great. Great. Yeah. Promo. I haven't lost, I haven't lost them yet. Um, I, uh, we got so much feedback from our Broadway discussion. <laughs> I, like, was like, okay, I guess everyone agrees that Broadway is hideous. Which oh. was not exactly the feedback I was looking for, but thank you so Wait, much. Where did where did we get feedback? In the emails, in the Instagrams, in the, I mean, I'm like, I guess people want to talk about Broadway, even Oh, yeah. I guess it's, you know, it is cathartic to talk about things we don't like, but um, that's not really the point. Um, so if you, if you, you know, and it's kept me thinking about it. um, Me too. I've been thinking about it all week, all week. You know, and it's because, you know, I, I also conversely received some pushback. Oh, great. This is what I wanted. That's good. That because that provokes more a kind of like, to me. <laughs> is, what is the value, question mark? Because clearly, like, people are um, getting something from it that enriches their life and <clears throat> expands their heart, you know? Yes, yes. And I, I think that's, I think that part, I don't know, I, I've, for me, that part is clear. Like, my childhood experience, like these songs, these, like, I mean, (laughs) the, the hyperbolic drama of these things is cathartic. And I think that it is central, but it's also like, for me, that's also the operatic form. Right. So like, but yeah, so the combination of like popular culture and because I also don't want to see an opera, but um, no, no, no. Operas are also embarrassing. Okay, so here's here's <clears throat> here's sort of the point that, that I got to, which is like most of everything is really bad. Most of everything oh, okay. is really bad, and most of <clears throat> everything is conventional and a kind of repetition of stuff that's already been made. Right. It's just like. A lot of opera was was perhaps conventional in its time, and it's only now that like that kind that form requires a kind of rigor 
that is absent from musical theater. So it seems more impressive to me. Um, even though it is... I don't know if that's it, <clears throat> fair. Say, explain. I think people who work on Broadway work really hard. Oh my God, I've never worked harder. Because yeah. <laughs> look at me, I work on Broadway. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I mean, yeah. So I, I think that the difference is actually wait, wait, wait. where we... Can I clarify? Yeah. I I don't just mean like, like uh, time and energetic output. I mean conceptual rigor. Well, this is where... I, and I, I kind of want to push back on that as well, because I think I think the the rigor on Broadway comes in trying to make a successful show. I really okay. I do think that like the difference is I think it is where the commercial comes into play, like mm-hmm. that Broadway is so. You know, it's like, what, what's the difference between downtown stuff and uptown stuff? money so like you can work down downtown and do your individual niche weird interesting avant-garde you know thing that no one else cares about Uh you can absolutely do it there because there's no money because right because nobody there's no um no one's paying you to do it there's (laughs) right there's no risk so like the the performance can be incredibly risky yes so you know, as you make your way uptown, you start getting money, which then requires some kind of return. So either for like right, right, right. literally making money on Broadway or like <laughs> satisfying, you know, with satisfying a subscription mm-hmm. audience, which is also about money. So mm-hmm. then you start like conforming to a sense of like what audiences want. I... I want nothing more than for audiences to love dancing on Broadway because that, look, I am now at a place as a 41 year old who's has literally no money and has like, um, essentially though I am privileged to like be in a situation of making, making art for my job. I would like to, feel more secure financially as I approach old age. And so, look, I want audiences to love this show, even if that means I don't like it that much, and pay me money. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally professional theater. Yeah. Like, it's, it's it's a job. People do jobs, they show up, they work really hard, they devote themselves. But it is, it's where you know, art slips out the side door because it's like, this is not about trying to make something that is something. Right, right. And and it's, it's you know, because I've, I've like, I, I've gone and tried, it's the same thing that I did after the, like the Tony nominees project of like, wait, maybe musicals aren't all the same stupid shit. So then, you know, you go to YouTube, you go to whatever, and it's like, and you're like, it's, everything conforms to the same musical style. (laughs) Even, like, these, like, (laughs) these extreme, as, uh, you know, oh my god, so, like, uh, 
new. Can you believe oh, what they're doing? Revo- revolutionary. Uh, like, we've never seen this before. Uh, can you well, believe this? This? this is... This is the experience over and over again for me. And look, I understand that people like this stuff, okay? I, this, what this comes down to is that I don't like the sound of it. The sound of this music makes me sad and I hate it. Yes. And, (laughs) and it's not, I'm not talking about the entire history of musical theater. There's a lot of musical theater music that is really beautiful and that I have enjoyed. We're talking Sondheim, we're talking Rodgers and Hammerstein, blah, blah, blah. Now, then you get to Andrew Lloyd Webber. You get to the guy who wrote Rent. What's his name, Jonathan? Larson. Larson. And that's really, this is now we're into the 80s and 90s and musical theater is sort of oscillating between Sondheim continuing to develop his own practice and then other people coming in and writing what is truly some of the worst, for me, music ever written. Well, and I think from from my sense and why my repulsion to these things is it's the feeling of like the musicalification of music. Like, uh-huh. and think of like any, <laughs> any of these like jukebox musicals or like Disney musical kind of, the Disney musicals kind of tend to not be, because they're actually written. The music is kind of its own Genre. Disney galaxy. So yeah. they actually uh-huh. kind of don't do that, which I think is the strength of those musicals. But mm-hmm. like, it's like, I think of the uh, Jagged Little Pill. Oh like, boy. Why, why use this music if you're not going to use this music? Right, if you're going to turn it into, into something in the vocal style of Rent. You're literally just degrading this thing. Right. You know, I, I did, I did um, before I ate anything today, I YouTubed uh, the, the Michael Jackson thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm familiar. <sighs> and I thought, this music seems not as bastardized. I don't, you know, I only watched like a little bit and I assume it gets worse. And I think there's something about like maybe like group numbers and versus like a, a single vocalist. Well, the strength of the Michael Jackson musical is centralized on the singers because the people who they cast to play Michael at various ages and the people who are cast to play Michael's family are really good singers who sing very well in that actual style. Yeah, that was my sense. And that that is the strength of the musical because it doesn't take this pop music and then shift it into like musical theater, con- you know, like contemporary musical theater style. Yeah. Um, and so that that's good. That's I mean, good. but we don't need, there's like probably no better musical to like, to criticize. To criticize musical theater with an MJ. Well, Literally, like... Well, it is... It's pretty insane it's to, like... repulsive. To, to... For producers to be like, let's figure out how to make money by centralizing and uplifting a child rapist. Yeah. Who is, like, objectively a child rapist. And I think there's, there's also... It's also sort of clarified a thing around, like, these pedophiles around, like, um, 
like, maybe it is okay to listen to Michael Jackson music. And the difference between doing that and literally, like, glorifying this person. It's very different. Like, it's like you, we can you maybe can... watch a Woody Allen film, but maybe we shouldn't, like, give them Academy Money Awards. to make a new one. Right. Or, like, or right, or like, yeah. You know, send money to Woody Allen's GoFundMe to make another movie or whatever. <laughs> totally. Or, like, make a documentary about how great Woody Allen is or a musical on Broadway. Right. It, yes. It's really, like, there's no excuse. The only reason is to make money because you make know money. that there are these crazy fans who yeah. want this thing. And I understand. I mean, people grew up with Michael Jackson. He gave people hope through his music and through his actions. And and I'm I'm glad that for some people it's like created a very positive experience for them and also you may continue having that music as part of your lived experience, but unfortunately <laughs> Yes, the the kind the sense of denialism around it. Yeah. Um, Jack mentioned the producers, which I think oh, is incredible. such a like, you know, it's sort of like, is it's a paradox because it's an example of a tremendous musical about how hideous Broadway is, basically. Right. Um, well, and it, well, yeah. The paradox being that like it's very like successful. It, well, it musical, proves that like musicals that is, can be good. But that musical's by are like, bad. <laughs> right, by, like, showing that... I mean, the kind of truth of that musical is so amazing. Yeah. That, like, they're like, let's make a musical so bad and so repulsive... That it will that, fail. Like, that it will fail. And that it's a huge success. And then the success. failure of that failing is <laughs> incredible. And here we are, like, literally seeing this occur with regularity on Broadway. It's yeah, incredible. that's why... It, you know, it said this thing that, like, musicals are parodies and musicals. They truly are. It's also, I had this thought around Sondheim and, and like, individual, like, artistic individuality. And I feel like Sondheim is an example of someone who is authentically, like, a musical theater artist. Like, this is the correct form for Sondheim. But also right. Sondheim, their their individuality also makes for new and interesting and complicated and, uh, yeah, good work. Yeah. Because they're they're <clears throat> like thinking of West Side Story and sort of how it straddles this kind of like uh, lovely, romantic, uh, you know, kind of normal. Uh, story or, or like Broadway mm-hmm. kind of uh, entertainment, but it also has this edge and this kind of uh, complexity that makes it more than that. Well, West Side Story was literally composed by Leonard Bernstein, who is at fundamentally a symphonic and orchestral composer mm-hmm. <clears throat> who also was the conductor of the New York Philharmonic and had in-depth knowledge of the entire history of classical music. 
So like it would stand to reason that this person was able to write extraordinary music. Yeah. And Sondheim's involvement in, in this like propelled him towards finding his own style that is also colored by these incredible other artists he was working with. Yeah. And now we find ourselves in a time where people are celebrating music that is written in the vacuum of <laughs> musical theater, which is like literally void of history and depth and skill. When I was this, I'm sorry to say it, and here I go again, controversial opinion, because, you know, <laughs> I, years ago, take. I, I was on this podcast saying that I, I don't like Hamilton. I saw the show. I was not impressed. Well, I was pointed towards our, the newest craze, A Strange Loop, <laughs> and I've been hearing quite a bit about it. And so I realized it's very difficult to get a ticket right now, as it is a full craze. And so I did some internet research i listened to the tiny desk concert that npr produced so i heard many of the songs from the book i found clips on various shows i looked into the history of the show from when larry owens was starring in it at what playwrights horizon or wherever it was <clears throat> and um i understand <laughs> the purpose <laughs> i understand the purpose of this piece of whatever and i understand that it took this person an incredibly long time to think through and produce and write the show this is michael Jackson. oh my god these these musicals take endless 300 years endless and and i mean right but then in actually he but, yeah. hearing the songs i'm i'm sorry i'm immediately struck by how awful it is Right, and right. That I'm is, like, I, that is my, right. It's, I'm not it's, saying it's objectively awful. It's awful for me. Well, I think I it's, it's objectively like, like the same musical malarkey. Thank you. That literally, you literally, go onto iTunes, listen to however much you want. I it like, and it's like my experience with it is my heart sinks because I think. Okay, same same thing. Like, why can't we do something else? Le uh, how about this? Do two things. Listen to literally any section from West Side Story or Candide. And then listen to any section from any Rodgers and Hammerstein musical. We're talking Oklahoma, Cinderella. Listen to any section from a Sondheim musical. Listen to the listen radio to for 10 minutes and you'll hear listen different music. Yes, listen to the orchestrations of any of these old musicals and also listen to the orchestrations of contemporary music on the radio. Then turn on a section of A Strange Loop or Jagged Little Pill or Dear Evan Hansen or any number of musicals playing on Broadway and really like try to, I mean, anyways, it doesn't matter. You cannot convince, I'm not here to try to convince people to not like it, but all I will say is it's not for me. And for me, it feels mm, cheap and insignificant. <laughs> yeah, and I, 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 and maybe we should just talk, stop talking about it because I know, like, it I is know. not. I know. It's, it's. I feel, I feel like I have a bit of clarity on like the purpose of these things and why right. they're not made. 
They're not made for us. They're not. You and know, it's and easy for me for me or people to say like, well, you know, I don't have experience with musical theater specifically and maybe that's why I have these feelings about it or am dismissive of it or whatever, but the truth of the matter is is that I don't live in this sort of vacuous space of like not understanding what musical theater is. I am right. well, I th- a, yeah, go ahead. You are, no, I, I'm, I'm a highly trained musician from childhood, highly trained dancer, highly trained designer. I mean, I have like <laughs> schooling in all of these things. Right. Well, that's what gets in the way of you. A pre in air quotes, appreciating these musicals is that you, you know there's what a, they could be. Yeah, there's a lot of information in there that is at odds with what musicals nowadays are sort of peddling, and um, oh, it's not a it's not a musical format that I have engaged with very um, meaningfully. Um, but it is I do know what music is. You know, I so. think there's something strange to the like machine of Broadway that keeps. People, like, seem to go to Broadway to watch the same th- thing over and over again. Like, it's... Because I'm, I'm thinking about movies and how this... D- I don't... This doesn't feel like it's exactly the case, like, in movies. I feel like people... Maybe it is in certain ways of, like, Marvel, like, genres inside of m- movies that, like... You go to Marvel films for like a certain kind of sameness. Uh-huh. But I kind of don't. I think when you go to a movie, you want to see something new, so a different take, a different like story, a different way of telling it. Mm-hmm. I just find, I think movies are so variously made as well as TV and these other. I'm just thinking about like other forms of kind of mass entertainment popular like music as well it's like we don't want the same music over and over again no i mean i think it's important also like movies are incredible and like the camera makes so much possible whereas like you know theater and dance and most performance happen (laughs) in a box you know they happen literally in a, a box that has sides and like they're there and we're here and so that's limiting you know the container well everything is limited i know we love movies but these other forms have like full full merit to like make an experience and it, it i don't think that the the form of like a stage or whatever is limits the ability for a unique transformative dynamic experience well, we know that's true because it has happened yes, to us we in see the it. theater space. Yes, that's yeah. why we and keep going to see stuff. I maintain that I want to see the Harry Potter play because I mm. want to have a adult magic show experience. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I, what I, I don't appreciate want, like I a, a wonderful, a you know, uh, 11th hour, like whatever it's called, like big musical moment, you know. I no. appreciate those those things when they come in kind of authentic expression. Right. Um, but those, it's it's the redundancy, I think, is sort of the central issue. Um, so 
I think as I was thinking about this musical thing, I was like, you know what I have to do right now? I just have to do this right now. What is it? I had to watch Men Don't Leave. You did? I was like, I just have to watch this movie. I I think it was just like some... I was like, I need to feel that feeling of that movie. It's the really the Thomas Newman music will sweep you away to another place. Oh, it's incredible. Which is the eight the eighties. And then I went down a rabbit hole of like uh trying to find content about that movie on YouTube and there kind of isn't any. There's nothing. But there well, is there's little interviews with like Chris O'Donnell where they're like, Wow, first movie, you know, like incredible. Yes, and, you know, listeners, there is an entire episode of Jack and Reed talking about Men Don't Leave from early on in this podcast. Jeremy, I literally, while in Switzerland, there was a day where it was raining, and Stuart was like, what should we watch? I was like, well, have you ever seen Men Don't Leave? I paid the money. I just, I bought it. I was like, I bought it. I was like, I'm going to watch this movie regularly. And Stuart immediately fell asleep, but I was like, this movie. Unbelievable. So... Uh, I did did find a, a Siskel and Ebert. Um, oh, review. I love that clip because wow, the, wow, wow. the one hates and yes. the one loves. Well, the hateful one, who I always is the, thought is it the Ebert? Sis, uh, Ebert Ebert hates. I was like, yeah. you're all, you're. I always hated you, um, but yeah, he's like. Well, he also sort of contradicts. He's like, this this like manipulative realism, and then he's like, yeah, none of this makes sense. Like. These things wouldn't happen. Like I know, but then you're like, so it's not real then. It's like a fantasy. Yeah. He's like, well you can't you're like you're gonna like you're gonna uh, cure depression by taking a hot air balloon. I'm like, it's it's a metaphor for finding a different way of viewing existence. Absolutely. And then and then Cisco's like, but did you not find this because he he's he's moved by the the incredible Chris O'Donnell scene. He's like, did you not find this this uh scene moving? And Eber's kind of like I I feel like I see inside of his brain him trying to f- say that he's like realizes he can't say that he wasn't moved by it because he will be a monster for not being right. moved by it. And I think he says, Yeah, I liked I, I yeah, I like that scene. I like that scene. <laughs> that I'm I'm I can't even talk very much it's, about that scene because it's so haunting. But it is, it's like, I wonder how like what state Chris O'Donnell was in to be able to have been able to do that. Yeah, I I I feel like it's extraordinary directing that gives a container for a performance like that. Um, it's, you know, and I and I. There's something about just understanding tone and it's it's why like again the Broadway thing of like why can't we have different tones? Why is everything right. the same tone? Everything is this like same pace, same sense of reality as like superficial garbage, you know. So like right. that's why I was like I need to feel I need like a really concrete idea of tone. Um, yeah, uh, you know, went there, and then I I watched um, one of those, um, you know, they do those actors talking about their careers 
on like a timeline on YouTube. I watched a Jessica Lange one and she talks about how that role in all that jazz was made for her mm -hmm. because um, Fosse, she was like Fosse like, was like one of the only people who could see me. Mm -hmm. And she had done like King Kong <laughs> before that. It was like her only <laughs> thing. And she was like afterwards, like no one wanted to hire her because they didn't take her seriously. Right. Um, yeah, Fosse. I know. Well, Fosse's cool. And actually, like, as much as I'm dragging musical theater every week, um, <laughs> uh, people, I mean, the show that I did work on, because I do work on Broadway, seem, maybe I do know something about it, um, the, the, uh, is, is, is good. It has, like, a lot of really interesting things, and the dances are incredible, and the music is fun. And Well, it's built around um, an dance. artist, Fosse's work. Like, so, it's... You know, Fosse is a great example of also someone who is like really makes sense on Broadway. Yeah, so good. It's the dances are so, so amazing. Um, wait, what was I going to say? I don't I only have a couple more minutes because yeah. I am going to have to pack it up and rush up to Penn Station and be on yet again another train, which is it's both. It's good and bad, you know, like trains are... It's nice to go somewhere and see things, but it's also awful to travel. I know. I'm, I'll am i be with my family. I'm going to try to, like, so nice. sleep a lot. Um, I'm going to try to cook. I'm going to try to, like, look at the stove for the most part. Yeah, I, I baked this cake, which was a real mistake because no one else is home, so... Oh, no. I'm literally eating cake for breakfast... Everybody watch Men Don't Leave. Oh my god. Incredible. Incredible. The Joan Cusack. On it's every scene is like a gem in its own bizarre way. <laughs> it's Kathy So Bates. do we think that Chris O'Donnell is eighteen in this movie? What did you say? Eighteen or eighteen? Eight. 18. <laughs> what do you mean, the actor? The, the actor or the... Oh, the character is 16. Do we know this? I think so. I think he's like maybe a junior in high school or something. He's, it's he's hard. really too young for her. Well, because Jessica Lange feels very outraged and I'm like, call the police. But it doesn't seem to be an option. Well, to be honest, like, Different times. if my 16-year-old son... Okay, listen. If my 16-year-old son was having sex with, like, a 25-year-old or 26-year-old or whatever she is, I'm... Is this going to be crazy to say? Yes, so... I think... I'm sorry. I think that there's <laughs> maybe a question of, like, maybe she doesn't... Like, maybe the only thing she could do is call the police, and maybe that's not going to help the situation. Like, I think right, maybe, that like, would, like, make everybody's life so complicated and horrible. Yeah. And she's already, like, my life already is complicated and horrible. Like, involving right, right. police in, like, this weird domestic situation, would, which wasn't... I don't know. It's really complicated. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm kind of like, sure. <laughs> um, I know that's not okay to say. <laughs> I 
I mean, it's sort of what ends up happening in the movie. So, you know, it's like, I, I mean, not, I mean, it's what is, what is so great about it is that it's, you're just like, shit is complicated. Like, we don't have to resolve these things. Like, oh, yeah. we can't because we can't. Like, it's complicated. When the, the movie ends, and, you know, obviously nothing can be resolved because, like, it's a truly, like, life goes on kind of movie. But at least, like, we leave them with some hope, you know, that, like... Well, it ends by the the little boy being like, I, I was saved. Yeah, he's like, Ugh, I'm good. I'm, o- I'm so okay. I was saved. Can you believe that well, shit with the music? It's a thing. <laughs> it is. It's truly. I mean, I mean, I think it, there's there's room to debate manipulative feeling, what have you. But well, that's what happened to Ebert. Yeah. You know, he got he felt manipulated, and I I get it. Like it, the the timing with the music and the 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 language. It is manipulative in a way that's like also poetic, and wonderful right it's it's uh, anyway um but i i more to the point of like this idea of of family and home and being safe and being saved you know because like earlier this sort of starts with this idea of like running home from school and being alone in the woods and like getting home Mm -hmm. and feeling saved I mean that yeah, whole I mean, like that beginning that like Campbell's soup ad is incredible. Uh it's truly a, it's full Campbell's soup ad. It's nothing even more than a Campbell's no, soup. No, it ad. just is that. And you're like, <laughs> oh, this is incredible. So the, like what what's fascinating to me is 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 that that and then how weird and complicated things are. That like the father dies and like these you know, like Jessica Lange stays in bed for six days or whatever. So like, oh god, those are those are the things that, you know, the like weird John Cusack situation. The yeah, you know, like those are what cut into the Campbell Soup straightforwardness. The like weirdness of like this downtown musical group and like this guy oh, yeah. living in like an artist like shed on the river. You know, it's amazing. It's great. Um, okay, I'm just going to say, I just want to say, <laughs> for those people who feel upset by the way that we talk about musical theater, we're not doing it. We're not trying to dismantle musical theater. We're just a dumb podcast. And look, I honor people's loves. So, like, go off, love musical theater. And yeah, I think we also like, secretly love musical theater and want better, more we want interesting. The best for it. Yeah, make a good one, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think a, 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 a good question is, like, if you made a good musical, would anyone see it? Well, that is a question. <laughs> I mean... Like, maybe there maybe there is a good musical right now that we just haven't seen, because it's in somebody's, like, you know, garage. Yeah, it hasn't been workshopped on, like, stages all across the globe for six right. years. <laughs> I know, that is... There's a lot of voices and hands that get sort of, like, inside of... Uh, the development of a musical. Yes, and, uh, you know, and, like, wanting this thing that you've invested time and energy into to, like, be a financial Succeed. success in the end. Yeah. Like, I think get it. that, like, accumulates I'm... over these, like, endless, you know, stages of production. 
Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Go off, everybody. Enjoy a musical. Go see a strange loop. Um, yeah. If you can get a ticket. Also, go see Abby um, Z if, if you're in town. Go also, see Abby I Z. I think they're going to be touring it a bit. And, the, and I think Trisha Brown is at... Yeah, go see Trisha Brown next week. Go see Petronio this weekend if you can. Go see A Midsummer Night's Dream next week at New York City Ballet. There's plenty to see. And um, if you have uh, some money, go see a show. Yeah, or give it to us. (laughs) Send us money. Buy a tote bag. Hey, if you want us to see A Strange Loop and review it, give us money. How about that? Definitely. Or, Or, you know, if you have connections, get us tickets. Listen, I will go to see things. I don't think I will pay to go see things that I don't think I will love or be... No, no. Uh, feel no, complicated no, 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 about. No. no, no, no. I don't even need to love things. I just want, like, some kind of complicated experience. <clears throat> so, All right. Anyway. It's been, this has been so fun. I'm so glad you brought up Men Don't Leave. That really cheered me. Uh, it really is a salve. It's such a solve. It you know you'll cry your eyes out and then you'll walk away feeling like a new person. Did I talk about watching Kramer versus Kramer? I I maybe mentioned it because <laughs> I watched it. Another like tremendous. I think the the thinking of the two of them together is really. Um, I yeah. Uh, I love. Wow. I love those those movies. Box set Kramer versus. You know Kramer, I think Mendo of it as like the seventies, but I think. Men Don't Leave is like 1990. Is that right? Yeah, Men Don't Leave is 89, and I think Kramer versus Kramer is like 81. They're like yeah. quite far apart. Ugh. Make movies. Anyways. More movies like that, though. Ugh. Make movies about parents and kids. It's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, until next week, we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.